Judges 16. Samson went to Gaza and saw there a prostitute and went into her. The Gazites were told, Samson is here. They surrounded him and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city and were quiet all night saying, wait until morning light and then we will kill him. Samson lay until midnight and then he arose at midnight and took hold of the gates took hold of the doors of the gate and of the city with the two posts and plucked them up, bar and all, and put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the mountain that is before Hebron. It came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The lords of the Philistine came up to her and said to her, Entice him and see in which his great strength lies and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies, and what you might be bound to afflict you. Samson said to her, If they bind me with seven green cords that were never dried, then shall I become weak as like another man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven green cords which had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now she had an ambush waiting in the inner room. She said to him, Samson, the Philistines are on you. He broke his cords as a flax thread is broken when it touches the fire, so his strength was not known. Delilah said to Samson, Behold, you have mocked me and told me lies. Now please tell me how you might be bound. He said to her, if they only bind me with new ropes, with which no work has been done, then shall I become weak, as like another man. So Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them, then said to him, The Philistines are on you, Samson. The ambush was waiting in the inner room. He broke them off his arms like a thread. Delilah said to Samson, Until now you have mocked me and told me lies. Tell me with, with what you might be bound. He said to her, If you weave the seven locks of my head with the fabric of the loom. She fastened it with the pin and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. He awakened out of his sleep and plucked away the pin of the beam and the fabric. She said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. When she pressed him daily with her words and urged him, his soul was troubled to death. He told her all his heart and said to her, No razor has ever come on my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaved, then my strength will go from me, and I will become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that the Lord had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he has told me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand. She made him sleep on her knees, and she called for a man and shaved off the seven locks of his head, and she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. She said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. He awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at the other times and shake myself free. But he didn't know that Yahweh had departed from him. The Philistines laid hold of him and put out his eyes. And they brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters in bronze, and he ground out the mill in the prison. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaved.
The lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and to rejoice, for they said, Our god has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. When the people saw him, they praised their god, for he said, Our god has delivered our enemy and the destroyer of our country who has slain many of us into our hand. When their hearts were merry, they said, Call for Samson that he may entertain us. They called for Samson out of the prison, and he performed before them. They set him between the pillars. And Samson said to the boy who held him by the hand, Allow me to feel the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean on them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there, and there were on the roof about three thousand men and women, who saw while Samson performed. Samson called to Yahweh and said, Lord Yahweh, remember me. Please, and strengthen me, please, only this once, God, that I may at once avenge of the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson took hold of the two middle pillars on which the house rested and leaned on them, the one with his right hand and the one with his left. Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. He bowed himself with all his might, and the house fell on the Lord's and on all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than those who he killed in his life. Then his brothers and all the house of his father came down and took him and brought him and buried him between Zorah and Eshtaol in the burial site of Manoah his father. He had judged Israel for 20 years. So that's the end of the story of Samson. And it's a crazy one, and there's so much that we can say about it, and I'll try my best. The <laughs> um, first thing I want to say is that Samson does the craziest things. So, for example, in this chapter, he takes the gates, and he goes into the prostitute at Gaza. Terrible thing that he should not have done, illustrating how weak he was. But then, he rips the gates off the city and carries them all the way to the hill that's before Hebron, Demonstrating strength, weakness and strength, all contrasting here. And if you get out your map, if you go to Google Maps and type in distance from Gaza to Hebron, 60.1 kilometers. I know because I did it. Now it's the hill before Hebron, so it's not quite 60 kilometers, but let's say 50, 50 or 55. And if you type in the elevation of Hebron, 930 meters above sea level, and the elevation of Gaza, 13. So it's a difference of 917 meters. 900 meters difference in elevation. So he's carried these, these gates, you know, 50 kilometers plus and a kilometer in height. He's put them in a place where they can never get them back. So Samson is, you know, weak and strong, but he does these crazy, crazy things. And I'll get back to that in a second. But first of all, who else do you know who carried something on their shoulders up a hill? Jesus. <laughs> and guess what Jesus said in John chapter 10? He said, I am the gate. Guess what Samson carried up a hill? A gate. <laughs> so there's all these interesting pictures. The, the, the most amazing picture of Samson with Christ is the one that's to come at the end of this chapter. But there's these types of pictures that appear all the way through the book of Judges, even in the weakest judges like Samson. But now some people have been saying on the internet, that, um, people who, who know a lot of things, you know, they know a lot of facts about the ancient world, and they're saying, oh, 
the story of Samson isn't true. It's just, um, it's just the story of Hercules, you know, revamped into the Jewish Bible. That's one of the things that I've read. And you know, we all have heard stories of Hercules, you know, the Greek myth, Greek legend, so strong. <laughs> you know, Samson's done things that sound a bit like Hercules, you know, because he's carried gates all the way up a hill and he's killed a thousand men with a donkey's jawbone. He's ripped a lion apart with his bare hands. The lion thing in particular sounds like Hercules. And so people think, oh, it's just, it's just one of those ancient legends that's been included in the Bible. Um, but what we've got here is something that really happened. The Bible, the Bible records things and details of things that you would never record if you were just copying a great story. And one of the big themes of Samson's life is actually the weakness of Samson, not the strength. You, you read the stories of Hercules, you know, it's all about the strength. Sometimes in those ancient myths, there's a little bit of weakness there, but, but the what's being highlighted here is the huge weakness of the man and how he can only do things when the Lord helps him. And there's also detail in here, historical detail that's verified. These are real cities, these are real places. And Samson was a real judge. And um, so people, you know, they people, people are basically trying to grasp at straws to try to prove any part of the Bible wrong. People think if they can prove a part of the Bible wrong, then they don't have to believe any of the Bible. That's the wrong way to think about it for starters. Because just because something, let, let's just say um, you're in school and you're studying science and you, you've got a science textbook and, and it happens to be from the 1970s and and you know, uh, you, you're, um, let's say you're studying evolution, right? So this is how it works. You know, you, you're studying evolution at school and, and uh, personally, I don't believe in evolution. I believe the Lord created everything. But you're at school and you've got a textbook and you come across these diagrams and the textbook's written in the 70s and the diagrams are showing the development of an embryo in the womb, you know? And there's these drawings that, that make it look like it's gone through these stages where at one point the embryo is like a fish. And, uh, it's and so scientists used to say that embryos would go through the evolutionary stages in the womb. And you know they'd have these drawings. But modern science has shown us it's not like that at all. That was just what they thought back then. It's wrong. So what about the rest of the textbook? Do we throw the entire textbook away because we know one thing in there happened to be wrong? We don't. We don't do that. We do obviously revise our textbook, so hopefully we have better and better textbooks, even though sadly, sometimes we get things that are still wrong in them today. So our attitude to the Bible should be that if we did find out there was a story that was included. Let's say that the story of Samson was a made-up Hercules type of a myth story that got included in the Bible. Should we throw away the rest of the Bible? No. That would not be the way we should think about it. However, I, having said that, I just want to make the point that I don't believe there is any part of the Bible that is a made-up story just included for fun. All of these stories are, are historically placed. They're placed in time. They're placed in context. All the geography is correct. The names of cities are correct. The towns are correct. The types of things they did are correct. The names of the animals are correct. It's not just a myth from some other place inserted in, in which case there would be things that didn't match. 
So um, anytime you, you have a skeptic questioning things, when you dig into it, you find there are always reasons why things are the way they are. And um, so I just wanted to point out the fact that, that Samson isn't just a Hercules story. No, Samson's a real human being. He knew what the Lord wanted. He was a Nazarite. That's why his hair was crazy and long. The Lord appeared to him and gave him a task, and yet he couldn't follow the task properly. He, he didn't deliver the, 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 the Israelites from the hand of the Philistines. He only began the task. He wasn't strong enough to do the job properly or to do, do the job completely. So finally, he meets his match in Delilah. And sadly, a lot of people do meet their match when they, they come across things that are too tempting for them. Even Delilah meets her match in Samson. And Delilah is promised 1,100 pieces of silver for every one of the rulers of the Philistines. There were five main cities. She was promised 5,500 pieces of silver, which is a lot of money. And I tried to work it out, but I couldn't figure it out because Philistine silver and Israelite silver and Canaanite silver, there's so many different types and I couldn't figure it out. But I do know it was a lot, <laughs> five and a half thousand pieces of silver. And so she was basically offered a, a million dollar plus sum, you could say, and it was too much for her. She was tempted to betray someone that she should have loved. And of course, um, Samson was tempted by women and, and by people of other cultures and people of other religions and people of other gods. He was tempted by worldliness and he wasn't able to follow the Lord. And I guess one of the key lessons that we can learn is that the enemy inside can be much stronger than the enemy that is outside. But in Samson's final moments, we get, we get a picture of Jesus Christ. And uh, it's interesting that he's the last of the judges and Jesus is going to judge all things on the last day. So here, the last judge, he's so weak, so powerless, and yet as he stands up in his final minutes, he puts his hands out like this, and he pushes and he gives his life, and in the giving of his life, he destroys all the leaders of the Philistines in one go. Now, of course, more of them rise up later, but in that moment, there were 3,000 people on the roof of that building, and they're all the leaders of the Philistines of the five cities wall in the building. But he lifts up his hands like this and he pushes, just like Jesus did on the cross at Calvary. He gave his life. And here we have Samson giving his life. And in that moment, the power of the enemy is defeated. And when Jesus hung on the cross and when he went like this, the power of the enemy was defeated. <laughs> and in the moment that Jesus hung on the cross, he was very weak. And you know what? Samson was weak his entire life, and yet he gave his life for others just as Jesus did. So it's crazy that there's even a picture of Jesus right there at the end. And I want to finish this little whole couple of chapters on Samson by making this point. Just because you have a gift from God doesn't mean you're any good. And this is the thing that I've always learned from Samson. I've always known this is that we sometimes we pray that the Lord will, will, will do something through us. So say, for example, we, we ask the Lord to help us with a certain thing and he helps us and we overcome. And Like, for example, there's been times I've preached a sermon in, over the years that's been a really good sermon, but I knew I prayed. I prayed before the sermon. I said, Lord, I would say, these are your people. I would say, Lord, for their sake, 
let my words be effective. And so the Lord helps me for their sake, not for my sake. It's, it's a, the gift is not given for me to look good. Any gift that I had is so that God can have what he wants. It's to serve others. And so when someone says, man, that was a good sermon, I know it's only good, not because I'm good, but because the Lord is good. The Lord is the one who put those words in there. He's the one who made the sermon be effective. And um, so I'm always very mindful that when, that when good things happen, it's not, because of, it's not any reflection on, on my worthiness or my character or my godliness. Now, I strive for worthiness and character and godliness, and I pray for God to help me with those things too. But when something good happens to me, I'm not, I don't take it as a validation that I'm a good person. We can see that for sure in the life of Samson because God did things through him, but he was clearly not a good person. And so we've, you know, every now and then you hear a story of a, of occasionally, you know, you hear a story of a minister that falls into sin or, or someone who should know better falling into sin and, um, we can probably all think of examples and there was a really famous one just recently um, that was in the news and um, this particular man you know he had preached all around the world his words had changed the lives of millions of people and yet he'd fallen into sin and it didn't come out till after he was dead so he never had a chance to defend himself the accusations came out and they were verified and then we were all left scratching our heads and saying well how on earth could this man have done those things? He was supposed to be such a good example. Well, he, yeah, he was supposed to be a good example, but the truth is that the gift of God didn't validate that he was a good person. The things that he did, the words that he said were good words. The ministry that he had was good ministry. The people that he blessed were really blessed. Of course, now that he fell into sin, sometimes that, a bit of that is undermined. But the fact is, it doesn't validate the person at all. So if you ask for the Lord to give you a gift, let's say a gift of the Spirit, and you get the gift of tongues or the gift of prophecy or the gift of faith, or say that you can lay hands on the sick and heal them, doesn't mean you're a good person. And that's, um, now chances are you, you probably are a good person because we want to walk with the Lord. And people with a good heart have you know, a good heart towards the Lord, are good, they're righteous, he's blessed them, they're justified, but it doesn't prove that you are. And the Bible says that there's going to be people who are going to say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things in your name? And he's going to say, I didn't know you. And this is what we're talking about. You can serve the Lord and move in power and not even be saved. So the gifts are just that, gifts. They don't mean that the person getting the gift is any good. So, for example, at Christmas, even if you're the rat-baggiest kid in the world, your parents probably still give you a gift because you're just simply their kid and they want you to have a gift, but not validating that you're a good kid. And um, so Samson is, is the last of the judges. He still reflects Christ in some ways, but at the same time is a very, very sad example uh, of, of often what we are like. And a stark reminder that, that doing things for God, having the power of God at work through you, having the gifts of the Spirit at work in your life, none of these things are any indication that you're a good person or that you please the Lord. In the end, you've got to seek to know the Lord and you've got to have a heart that wants to please Him all on its own, apart from any gifts.
and apart from any miraculous things going on in your life. Father, I want to thank you for the example of Samson, even though it's a sad example. But I want to pray, Lord, that we would not be like him. Lord, there are, there are many people in the Bible we pray that we would be like them, but with Samson, we don't want to be like him. We want to be strong in the strength of the Lord, but we do not want to be, have his weakness, to be tempted as he was tempted, to be led astray. Lord, we pray the prayer of the Lord, the Lord's Prayer. Keep us from temptation. Deliver us from evil. Your kingdom come. That's our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. 